Good morning. Welcome to another episode of the Christian Underground News Network. Yeah, this is your host, Curtis Chamberlain, uh, with, along with your co-host, Pastor Dick Chamberlain, on uh, Saturday, December the 5th. Uh, we're so happy that you joined us uh, as we continue on with our study of the book of Revelation. Uh, so far, we've gotten all the way through chapters, uh, chapters 1 through 3, and um, we're getting to, we're going to begin chapter 4 today, which is, uh, Pastor, it, uh, you, you consider this, uh, I think, and I don't want to get ahead of you, but uh, this is uh, where John's caught up to heaven to, to see what's going on there. And at this point, he's writing the things which shall be hereafter, correct? Um, yeah, now you just, you just took a half an hour of my lesson away uh -oh, from me. I'm sorry. Sorry, <laughs> I told you I didn't want to get ahead of you, but, but uh, j j I'm just getting everybody, I'm, war I'm warming them up for you. Uh, okay. <laughs> okay. Sounds good. And, and I'm sure, I'm sure that, that you'll tell everybody, uh, uh, the, the hereafter means something very, very special, doesn't it? It certainly does. All right. Yep. With that being said, take her away, sir. All right. Good morning. Good. It's good to, to have you with us, uh, and I hope you'll be blessed by what we're teaching. Now, let, let me give you a disclaimer, first of all. Uh, I've read the book of the Revelation probably 100 times in the last 50 years. Uh, and I've been studying ardently, and every time I uh, I open this wonderful book, I learn something new. Amen. And and I want you to know, I've got eleven. I, I last time I talked on here, I said I have nine books on the in my library on the book or the Revelation. I've got eleven uh, of them, and I've read all of them. And, and I lean towards maybe two or three uh, that I like the best because uh, the writer writes to my simple brain. Uh, so what I'm trying to say to you is we will never exhaust the information right. that we're finding in the book of the, of the Revelation. So bear with us. Uh, I'm going to, uh, in Chapter 4, uh, hit the highlights of that. Um, we could... Uh, and, and Curtis is correct. We could probably spend um, at least two hours just in that chapter if we hit everything and told you everything there was to know about that. But let's just look at the main part, shall we? And um, if you have your Bibles, I use the King James Version. I like it the best. I think it's the best historically. It's got 410 years of, uh, of, of great reputation. And so I trust it. And that's the one I use. My, my mother used to spank me with the King James Version Schofield Reference Bible. <laughs> and, uh, and so I got some of my knowledge by osmosis. So anyway, <laughs> thanks for laughing, Curtis. I, I, I needed that, though. Okay. And so, and so uh, chapters 2 and 3 deal with the, uh, the history and the pro prophetic history of the Church of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. Uh, on earth, and there are seven, seven churches. Now, if you want to follow the number seven all the way through the book of the Revelation dozens of times, you'll find it. 
Oh, and we'll talk about each one of them as, as we get to them. May, maybe more and, than maybe more than dozens. Oh, of times. oh, oh yeah, <laughs> I should have said dozens. Yeah, and the word and and in biblical numerology, the number seven is the number of completion or completed things or finished things, um, uh, or totality. Um, so uh, keep that in mind as we go through uh, this wonderful book of the Revelation. Remember, this isn't Revelations. It is the revelation of Jesus Christ. And that's what it says in the opening uh, verse of chapter 1. So the, the seven stages of church history, and of course John was writing prophetically, um, because I think he was living uh, at the end of the first stage and in the beginning of the second stage of, of church history. Mm -hmm. And there are seven stages of it, and the last one being the church of Laodicea. And so we saw those seven churches, the complete history in prophetic form of the church of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. Now, from this point on, understand this. We never see the word church again until Revelation chapter 22. That's right. And so let's look at uh, chapter 4, John the Apostle writing, and he said, after this, oh dear, let's stop. Oh, yeah. What does he mean after this? After what? Yeah. Well, after the church age. Mm-hmm. He said, after this, I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven. Mm -hmm. And the first voice which I heard was as it were of a trumpet talking with me, which said, come up hither. Well, let's stop there. Now, in these verses, we're going to see the Holy Trinity. We're going to see God the Father. Now, no one has seen God at any time, nor will we ever. We only can see God uh, by his revealing himself through his son, Jesus Christ. So we see God the Father. He says the first voice which I heard. Now he didn't see anything. He heard the voice and it was God. And it was like a trumpet talking with me which said, come up hither. Now this is a type of the rapture of the church of Jesus Christ. And that event is future. Right. It will happen. That's the next thing that happens on the prophetic calendar is the rapture of the church. Well, what happens? Every believer mm -hmm. at one point in, in, in the future will be taken up to heaven. Those of us who are alive will go up alive and will have our bodies changed. Those who have died in Christ their graves will, and they'll come out of their graves, and they will go up to be with Jesus Christ in heaven. Amen. And, and, and this is a type of the Christ, uh, of the uh, rapture, uh, because he said uh, there was a door open in heaven, and he heard a trumpet, and he, said, and he heard the words, come up hither. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what the rapture is about. You can read about it in First Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18. You'll see the trumpet. You'll see a shout and so forth. And, uh, and that shout uh, we find in the book of Revelation was, come up here. That's right. 
<laughs> and so in yeah. and it says in a moment in the twinkling of an eye in first corinthians chapter 15 uh verses 51 through 58 is another um uh, reference regarding the rapture or the catching away of the church of Jesus Christ. And we never see the church again in Revelation until uh, Revelation chapter 22. There's no mention of it. Mm -hmm. Because after the rapture of the church, there's, there is another event that occurs in heaven, and we'll talk about that in today's lesson. Mm -hmm. And then God's, uh, God's attention goes back to the earth and primarily is about his elect nation, Israel. And he deals in, uh, in administrations of seven things. There's seven seals, there's seven trumpets, there's, and so forth. You'll see the seven as we go through them. But right now, he says, after this, I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven. First verse I heard was, as it were, of a trumpet talking with me, which said, come up hither. And then it says this, I will show thee things which must be hereafter. And so everything after the rapture is enclosed in the last eight, well, last eighteen chapters of the book of the Revelation. Right. And and so here's what here's what happened. So John was saying, he said immediately, verse two, and immediately I was in the spirit. Now John's body was still on the island of Patmos. But he was taken up in his spirit. Mm -hmm. And he said, Behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. And we will see in the uh, descriptions of these things who it was that sits on the throne. Now remember, he heard a voice. Now he saw the throne and one who sat in heaven. You see, uh, Christ was manifested in the flesh. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father. That was Jesus Christ, who famously said, No man has seen the Father at any time, but the Son hath declared Him. Uh, several times in the New Testament said, God is invisible, and He is, and He is. Yeah. But, but the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Okay. So He... He sees this one sitting on the throne, and it says, And he that sat was to look upon like jasper and sardine stone. I'm not going to go into what those things uh, entail. Maybe later on when we see the New Jerusalem uh, in the later verses of uh, Revelation, we'll deal with that. And he says, And there was a rainbow round about the throne in sight like unto an emerald. Let me finish reading this whole description, and we'll go back to that, especially the rainbow. And he says, around about the throne were four and twenty seats. And upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting, clothed in white raiment, yeah. and they had on their heads crowns of gold. Mm -hmm. I'm going to come back to that one. And out of the throne proceeded lightnings and thunderings and voices, and there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. You see that seven? Yep. What did I say it meant? Completion. Mm -hmm. And before the throne there was a sea of glass like unto crystal. And in the midst of the throne and round about the throne were four beasts. 
Sometimes I think some of my uh, teachers in high school had eyes in the back of their head, you know, but I, because I never could get away with anything. I, 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 know okay. that, I know that one of my high school teachers was. <laughs> Who was that? Yeah, it was you. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> you poor guy. <laughs> now, in verse 7, it says, And the first beast was like a lion. And the second beast like a calf. And the third beast had a face as a man. And the fourth beast was like a flying eagle. And the four beasts had each of them six wings about him and were full of eyes within. And they rest not day and night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. When those beasts give glory and honor and thanks to him uh, that sat on the throne who liveth forever and ever, the four and twenty elders fall down before him that sat on the throne and worship him that liveth forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Now, now I've got that shaded in my Bible because this is an important doctrine. Mm -hmm. In verse 11 it says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, this is what they said, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things. And for thy pleasure they are and were created. I would refer you to John uh, chapter uh, chapter 1. It said, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word was Jesus Christ. And then it goes on to say, By him all things were created. And so God used his word, which is in the flesh, Jesus Christ, to create everything. And I sometimes think we lose track of, uh, of that fact. But that is the fact. Okay, now let's go back. He's, he's, John is in the spirit. He's in the throne room in heaven. And he sees one sitting on the throne. And he gives his description. He was about to look upon like jasper and sardine stone. And he says, there was a rainbow round about the throne in sight like unto an emerald. Mm -hmm. yeah. Wow. Now, understand the language here. There was a rainbow round about the throne. Mm -hmm. Curtis, in your lifetime, how many times do you think you've seen a rainbow? Oh, probably hundreds. Uh, I'm not sure that that's true with me, but but boy, I can think of some really amazing times. Uh, we saw the biggest rainbow I'd ever seen was when Sharon and I were down in Texas visiting uh, uh, her relatives in uh, Kerrville. And we were driving from uh, uh, another city that had a great buffet, and we're driving back to Kerrville, and it was uh, kind of dark, and we saw a rainbow that knocked my socks off. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it was humongous. Uh -huh. But I'm going to tell you that every time you saw a rainbow, it was an arch, correct? Absolutely, yeah. Had eight colors in it. Right. And it went from one piece of land to another. Isn't that correct? Right, yeah. It, it was an arch. It was never round. Correct. Now, that rainbow was given to Noah. That's right, as a promise. As a promise. 
God made a promise to Noah, and you can read about it in Genesis chapter 9, and he says, I'm going to promise you that I will never destroy the earth again by a flood. Mm-hmm. And as a token of that promise, I'm going to put my ark in the clouds. That's right. My bow, my bow in the clouds. And, and every time you see a rainbow, it's usually after a rainstorm, um, and, and when everything is clearing away, and then you get to see the rainbow, and it's, it's beautiful. Absolutely. But you never see it totally round. Well, John says this. He saw the, he saw the bow the, around about the a rainbow, round about the throne. Yeah. And so it was a circle. Mm-hmm. It was complete. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's God's indication that there are some terrible things going to happen on the earth. Yeah. Terrible things. Yeah. It will scare uh, your pants off. I'm telling you that they're, they're, they're severe, and they're coming, and we'll deal with them uh, as we study the book of the Revelation. But here's this rainbow, and, and John saw it, and he probably remembered the book of Genesis uh, when he saw, when God gave the rainbow to Noah. Mm-hmm. And the promise was, mm-hmm. was I'm never going to uh, destroy the earth again by a flood. Mm-hmm. However, Curtis... However, if you if you believe the Bible, and I do, and you read Second Peter chapter three, there will be a new heavens and earth. That's right. The old earth, the old earth, at one time, after the thousand year reign of Christ on the earth, which is still future, mm-hmm. the earth will melt with the fervent heat. Mm-hmm. That's right. And then there will be a new heavens and a new earth. And and Peter says, now, knowing that these things are going to come to pass, what kind of person do you think we ought to be right. with all holiness? And so that's, uh, that's the teaching of, of the rainbow. Let's go to verse 4 of chapter 4. Round about, and round about the throne. Okay, there's a circle again. Mm-hmm. Round about the throne there were four and twenty seats. And upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting. Yep. They were clothed in white raiment. Mm-hmm. And they had on their heads crowns of gold. Mm-hmm. Okay, let me ask you a question. Why twenty-four? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well. Why, why not a thousand? Right, yeah, that's a good, yeah. good question. Yeah. Yeah, and 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 uh, and why were they clothed in white? And 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 why would they had crowns of gold on their head? And how did they get those crowns? Right. And what gave them? What gave them the privilege of being there on those seats? Mm-hmm. All good questions. Yeah. So why are there twenty four? Well, I've got I've got my. 11 books on the, yeah. on the Revelation, and I've read most of them uh, from cover to cover. I have studied out of probably three or four of them, which I like the best, because, uh, like I said, they were written in a, in a kind of a way that I understood better than some of the other ones. And here's what most of them are agreed upon. And it's the thing that makes the most sense to me. Mm-hmm. 
I think they represent the twelve, the heads of the twelve tribes of Israel. Yep, the I, patriarchs. I agree with that. Yep. I think that's what twelve of them are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think Manasseh replaces Dan. Uh-huh. Because I think Dan is the one who, uh, out of whom tribe the Antichrist will come and. Mm-hmm. We've talked about that a little bit, but about the twelve, the the the, the twelve original um, progenitors of the twelve tribes of Israel, mm-hmm. which is God's elect nation. He says that twice in the book of Isaiah, and and several other times. Israel is God's elect. Right. Now, we become individually elected um, because God knew beforehand who was going to be saved and who wasn't. Mm-hmm. And and he, we were elect according to the foreknowledge of God. First Peter chapter 1 says that. But the 12 tribes were God's elect nation. So there's 12 of them. Now, who were the other 12? <laughs> <laughs> you know very well, don't you, where I'm going. Uh- I'm pretty sure 12, I do, yeah. It was the 12 apostles. Mm-hmm. The 12 apostles. Yeah. Now, someone might say, well, there were 13. You know, Paul was the 13th. No, the apostle Paul took the position of Judas, That's right. who fell. That's right. Judas, the one who betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. Mm-hmm. Judas, who, while he was here on earth and, and went out with the apostles, carried the bag and was stealing from it. Right. Judas, who tried to give the money back, but that no one would take it. And Judas, who committed suicide by hanging and then went to his own place. Mm-hmm. And we know where that was. Right. In the depths of hell. Yeah. Yeah. And the Bible says that, uh, and Peter said, we have to take, chase, uh, choose someone to take the place of him who fell from his, and he said that in Acts chapter 2, if you remember, Acts mm-hmm. chapter 1, if you remember correctly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, anyway, so um, the, the 12 apostles, which would include the apostle Paul. Now, why do these people think that? Well, let me read to you something. Uh, I, I, maybe I'll not read it. I'll just kind of go through it. Um, I, 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 this is from a book by um, Jack Van Impey oh. called uh, a Verse by Verse uh, Revelation. By the way, most of these books are 350 to 400 pages long. I think that isn't a lot of reading. That's a lot. <laughs> That's a lot. And by the way, folks, we're going to get done a lot quicker. <laughs> read these books okay so he says this who are these 24 elders and uh, some some of them believe that they were the 24 orders of the Levitical priesthood I do not but here's what here's what uh, Jack Vanity believes that it's just exactly what I said he said uh, there's a good possibility of that that that's the uh, um, patriarchs of the 12 tribes and the apostles because in Revelation 21 when the new Jerusalem descends out of heaven mm-hmm. by the way it's already built in heaven it comes down nobody has to build it it just comes down to- completely and it's huge and and, it, and 
on this uh, this holy city, the names of the twelve tribes are inscribed on the gates of the city. And on the twelve foundations of the city are the names mm -hmm. of the twelve apostles. apostles. Yeah. Uh, I believe that this is so. And those twenty-four elders represent all of the ages of God's dealing with men who were saved by grace through faith. Right. All right? Right. And that's the way everybody gets saved. You can't keep the law to get saved. You can't go to church to get saved. Uh, although both of those things are, uh, are good, it's impossible to keep the law because you have the sin nature. Yep. And so did all of the patriarchs of the Old Testament. So did all of the 12 apostles. But they were special in that the uh, the 12 elders from from the uh, nation of Israel were leaders of those 12 tribes. They were the progenitors. Everybody uh, that was an Israelite descended from those men. Mm -hmm. And everyone who descended from the first century A.D. were as a result of the preaching and teaching of the apostles of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. okay. Therefore, the four and twenty elders, I believe, were representing the believers of all ages mm -hmm. who were the leaders of those people. Right. Okay, so they were sitting. Isn't it interesting? They were not standing, they were sitting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But they did stand up. <laughs> okay. And then, they, and then they fell down before the throne. Okay. But let's look at something else here, Curtis. Um, they, uh, let's talk about they had on their heads crowns of gold. Uh-huh. Where'd those come from, you suppose? <laughs> well, uh, there's several theological perspectives on that. However, uh, I believe that they're reward. the right perspective anybody that says it differently has got to has got to prove it and they can't right yeah but we can but we can prove it by the word of god in uh, um in romans chapter oh uh, verse t uh, verse 10 i believe and it says that we must all stand before the judgment seat of christ Second Corinthians five ten says it, mm -hmm. uh, and Romans uh, and the Book of Romans says the same thing. Mm -hmm. We must all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Who's that? Us believers. That's right. We're, and okay. And by the way, at, at the judgment seat of Christ, First uh, Corinthians three eleven through fifteen talks about our works. Mm -hmm. Our works will be judged, whether they be good or bad. And you and I both have done good works, and we've both done bad works. Yep. Well, that passage of Scripture says that that if your if your works are wood, hay, and stubble, they'll be burned. Yeah. But you'll be saved, yet so is by fire. Yep. And what does fire do? It refines precious metals. Right. The Bible in in the, the psalmist says that. Uh, 
the word of God is purified in the furnace seven, seven times. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Another seven. Yeah. And so, so what, what do we get? Well, we get a crown. Now, how do we know that? Well, uh, I'm going to turn to 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 9. Uh, it, it's, a, it's a wonderful, wonderful passage, and, and it's, it's an amazing thing. But he says in um, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, he says this, um, verse 24 mm-hmm. of chapter 9 says, Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize? Uh, <laughs> yeah. So run that ye may obtain. You know, Chris, every believer is in a race. Yes. And the book of Hebrews says that we're to run the race that is set before us. Excuse me, book of Hebrews, chapter 12, that, that we should run the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And, and so Paul says, Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize? So run that you may obtain. Now, what, what is he talking about? Well, the Pan-Hellenic Games were the forerunner of our modern Olympics. Right. And every year they held a, the games. And most of the events were track and field, and they did some wrestling and some boxing and that sort of thing. And when you run in a race uh, and you won it, uh, you would go to the Bema seat. Yeah. Or the judgment seat uh-huh. where you were judged the winner. Mm-hmm. And on your head, the, the judge would place a crown. Yes. Now, back in those days, it was a laurel wreath. Yep. And it was not a full crown. It was a diadem. And then that runner would run a victory lap. Yep. <laughs> and we still do that in our we still do that in our modern Olympics today. Yes, exactly right. But they do something different. They did something different. They would run to where their sponsor was seated. Mm-hmm. And they would cast their diadem, That's their right. crown, mm-hmm. at the at the feet of their sponsor, who paid for their training, uh, where they lived, how they would get to the games, and everything. Yep. And they would get, and they would take that throne and cast it before the sponsor. And this is the picture. Uh, this is the picture that uh, uh, the Lord is giving. Uh, uh, the Apostle John, mm-hmm. because because going back to uh, Revelation chapter four it says they cast their crowns before the throne. That's chapter four, verse ten of the Revelation. Right now, so you said it. The crowns are a reward. Do you know? And and. Uh, I'm not going to hasten through this. I, I, it's going to take me forever to teach this anyway. <laughs> but anyway, to get a reward, you got to do th- three things. you got to think like a winner. Right. You know, Paul wants us to be a winner. Well, he uses the term victor, tri- uh, conquerors, yep. overcomers, mm-hmm. triumphant. Mm-hmm. He uses those words to describe uh, believers in Jesus Christ. Amen. And so since God wants us to win... We got to think like a winner. That's right. And we'll go back to 1 
1 Corinthians 9, 24. Know ye not that they which run in a race run all but one receiveth the prize? So run. Run to win that you may obtain. And then he goes on, the, the, the other runners, they, they do it to seek a corruptible crown. But we, believers, run to get an incorruptible crown. Yeah. Back to 1 Corinthians 9, verses 24 through 27. And so, and so that's why we run. So we got to think like a winner. We want to get this crown that's incorruptible. And in Philippians 2, 5 says, let this mind in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Yeah. Uh, Colossians 3, uh, verses 1 and 2 says, If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth above on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth. You know, if you think you can't, you won't. Mm-hmm. you got to think like a winner. you got to train like a winner, number two. Paul says, I therefore run, not not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Well, he trained like a winner. He was in shape. He was in good spiritual shape. Now, how do you do that? Number one, you submit. That's right. You go to practice. Mm-hmm. I went through some terrible things when I played football. Oh, my goodness. Happiest part of my day was after the second practice of Hell Week was over. Anyway, submit. James 4, 7 says, submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Mm-hmm. Resist the devil, he'll flee from you. The second thing is, you search the scriptures. Mm-hmm. For in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. Uh, when when Paul was talking about the Bereans, he's in Acts seventeen eleven. He said these were more noble than those in Thessalonica, and that when they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily, yeah. whether those things are so. Yeah. And so you submit, you study the scriptures, and then you study the word. But the apostle Paul was told Timothy, study to show thyself approved unto God. You want God's rule? Study. Okay. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, <laughs> rightly dividing the word of truth. Proverbs fifteen twenty eight. just to show you that it's not just a New Testament thing, uh, the, the, uh, the proverb says, the heart of the righteous studieth to answer. Mm-hmm. See, that's what we've done. That's what I've done. And I still don't have all the answers, but I'm studying to get them. Yep. Study the word. The fourth thing is to shun the wicked. Mm-hmm. Okay? Yeah. Now, Second uh, Timothy 2.16, he says, But shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase more in the godliness. My little children, these things are right unto you, uh, that you sin not, says First John 2.1. Uh, Let us lay aside every weight and sin that which does always leave us in us. That's Hebrews uh, chapter 12, verse 1. So we got to think like a winner. Uh, we've got to train like a winner. Now we've got to try like a winner. Right. And that's where the crown comes in. Mm-hmm. You've got to run to win. Yep. You won't always. But if you don't try to win, you have no chance to win. Mm-hmm. You may be saved, yet so is by fire. But here's what the prize is. It's not, the prize is not eternal life, because that cannot, 
is not, nor ever will be earned. It says, for by grace you say through faith, and that not of yourselves, it's a gift of God. So the prize is something we can win as a reward, and that reward, as we saw in First Corinthians nine, First Corinthians nine, is a crown. Now there, and 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 uh, you keep me apprised of the time here. I think we've got what about fifteen minutes left. Yeah, about fifteen. So here's what here's what the prize is: it's crowns. It's crowns. There are five of them. Isn't it interesting? You can, there's five different crowns you can win. Yeah. And you know what the number of grace is in biblical numerology? Five. Five. Yep. And so the first crown is, we, we already read about it, it's an incorruptible crown. Every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate and all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we for an incorruptible crown. Uh, and this crown is for running to win. It's for striving for the mastery, the Bible says. And believer, uh, you, if, you want, if you want a crown, you keep trying to get better and better and better every day. Mm-hmm. You will never reach perfection until after the rapture. Yeah. But folks, if you're not trying, you're not pleasing God. Right. And you won't get this crown. It's, it's for striving for the mastery. The second crown is a crown of joy, or whatever. Or and this is there's two scriptures here, but I'll just give you the one. The second crown is a crown of rejoicing, and and, and Paul writes the Thessalonians where he won a lot of people to Christ, mm-hmm. and he says, "For what is our hope, or joy, or crown of rejoicing?" Are not even ye in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? Mm-hmm. You see, this crown is for winning souls to Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah. The incorruptible crown and the crown of rejoicing. Number three, the crown of righteousness. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, I, I almost cry tears of, oh, how, how shall I say, of, of remorse when I find the things that the Apostle Paul did in his ministry. Mm-hmm. And the end of his ministry, he was in prison. He was in prison a lot of times. Yeah. He was whipped. He, he, he had scars on his back, the likes of which you could not imagine. By the way, didn't the Lord Jesus have scars on his back from being whipped? You betcha. Yeah. So here's what Paul says in Second Timothy 4, uh, verses 7, 8. He's writing this to a pastor. You know, he's these things pastors ought to read. Uh, but he says, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Mm-hmm. If you can't preach a three-point outli- uh, outline uh, in, in about a 45-minute sermon, uh, then you might, might as well quit, Pastor. <laughs> Those are three things. I fought a good fight. I finished my course. Mm-hmm. I kept the faith. Mm-hmm. He didn't waver. He hung in there. He stayed in it. Pain? Gonna have it. Uh, rem- uh, 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 you know, contradiction? Gonna have it. Mm-hmm. People are gonna, uh, uh, are gonna rail on you? Gonna have it. Yep. But I finished the course. I kept the faith. Then he says this, Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, mm-hmm. which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. What day is that? At the judgment seat of Christ. Mm-hmm. 
and not to me only, and here's where we come in, Curtis, yep. but unto all them also that love is appearing. Yep. You know, the grace of God that brings salvation in Titus 2.11 teaches us some things, and one of the te things it teaches us is to be looking for that blessed hope and glorious appearing of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Yep. The crown of righteousness, this is crown for fighting and finishing and keeping the faith and for loving his appearing. Mm -hmm. Number four, the crown of life. The crown of life. Mm -hmm. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. Yeah. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to them that love him. James 1, 12. This crown is for enduring temptation. Mm -hmm. You ever tempted? Daily. Mm -hmm. Daily. Yeah. This crown is for enduring. Now then, and then the fifth one is a crown of glory. And it says that when the chief shepherd shall appear, he shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. First Peter chapter 5 verse 4. And if you read the verses preceding that, uh, Peter is talking to pastors who are supposed to faithfully feed the flock of God. Mm -hmm. And this is a crown specifically for them for faithfully feeding God's flock. Yeah. And folks, I want to tell you today, it's difficult in some areas of this country to find a good fundamental Bible preaching, Bible teaching, rightly dividing the word of truth, word of God. Mm -hmm. I found one, and, uh, and uh, one of these days, uh, <laughs> one of these days, I, I, my, my pastor is going to get this crown of the uh, uh, crown of glory because mm -hmm. he's done it and i hope there's one for me too at the judgment seat of christ romans 14 10 and second corinthians 5 10 and both of both of them say essentially the same thing mm -hmm. so now what's the purpose of these crowns and we see that in revelation chapter 4 in this passage mm -hmm. our purpose is our victory is for, you know, our crowns are for God's glory. That's right. Both here, First, Second Corinthians 2.14 says, Now thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ, and maketh manifest the savor of his knowledge by us in every place. Mm -hmm. God ought to know that you're a believer, and God ought to know that you're a faithful believer, and God ought to know that you, I mean, your neighbors ought to know all this stuff. They, they ought to know all this stuff. Um, I have some neighbors that recently moved. Uh, they got a gospel before they moved. They moved down the road uh, about uh, 15 minutes to the little town of Washington. You know where that is. Mm -hmm. But they got the gospel before they moved. <laughs> sure. Uh, we got people living next door that, that have heard the gospel from me uh, a couple of times, and, and, and they frequently avoid me. <laughs> now they're friendly, all right. Don't get me wrong; they're not nasty people, but but uh, they're afraid that I'm gonna that I'm gonna be a Jesus freak on them, you know. Sure. So, but anyway, so but but the the world ought to know by us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The man, 
the knowledge of Jesus Christ. So our purpose is to give God the glory here. And then our job and our rewards are to give glory to God in the hereafter. Our, our text for today, Revelation 4, says, And the four and twenty elders fall down before him mm-hmm. that sat on the throne and worship him that liveth forever and ever. And they cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things and for thy pleasure. For thy pleasure. Are you a pleasure to God? For thy pleasure they are and were created five crowns and we get them to cast at the feet of the throne of the lord jesus christ and i've got a little booklet entitled so run and so i'm going to tell you believers so run Mm -hmm. that ye may obtain that's what the bible says do you have some crowns to cast before the feet of jesus i hope you do and I hope I have some, and I'm pretty sure I do. Uh, and I'm pretty sure that I have some wood, hay, and stubble that has to be burned. Oh, yeah. But uh, yeah. I will still have the crown that fadeth not away. Yeah. And it will be a crown of precious metal. Okay. Now, how much time do we have left? Uh, looks like we got about 10 minutes left, Pastor. A little less than, okay. 10, a little less than 10 minutes. Okay. So I've got time to go over one more thing because I'll do this quickly. And, and uh, if you're listening, uh, make sure you keep the recording because I'm going to give you some references and you may not have time to write them all down. But if you listen to this time and again, you can get these references and I will give them as plainly as I, as I possibly can. And, and it's regard to the seven spirits. Mm-hmm. The seven spirits in verse 5. These are the seven spirits of God. You know, there is only one Holy Spirit. What is he talking about? Well, what does the word seven mean? <laughs> it means complete. Yep. And so, and they are the seven capital letter S, spirits of God. What this is talking about, because this is a, a revelatory and prophetic language, talking about the complete works of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. So with the remaining seven or eight minutes we've got, um, listen up, and I'll give you a list of probably 14 things, okay, uh, about the Holy Spirit. This is, this is the complete work of the Holy Spirit. And there's probably more, but I think that what I'm going to give you uh, pretty covers it, pretty well covers it. So here we are. Um, here's what the Holy Spirit has done or is doing or will do. Uh, in John chapter 14, 17, Jesus said, He will he dwelleth in you and shall be in you. That's the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Uh, John 15, 16, it says, He shall testify of me. Mm-hmm. It says also that he does that in 1 John 5, 6. And so his job is to testify of the Lord Jesus Christ. In John 16, 8, it says, He will reprove the world of sin. He is the great convictor of sin. Mm-hmm. In John 16, 13, it says, he will, lead, he will guide you into all truth. You want to know the truth of the Scriptures? You lean on the Holy Spirit, and if you're saved, He's in you and show and will, will stay with you. Uh, in John 16, 14, the Holy Spirit is one. He says, He shall glorify me, Jesus said. Uh, in, 
in First Peter uh, one twenty uh, one. Uh, the Holy Spirit guided the writers of the Holy Scripture. It said, "Holy men of God." Um, uh, spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. By the way, 2 Samuel 23, verse 2, uh, said, uh, David, the, the dying David, so he couldn't possibly be the lying David, he said, the Spirit of the Lord was in my tongue. Right. So, the Holy Spirit dictated the word. Men of God wrote it down. Okay, here's the next one. 2 Thessalonians 2, 13. He sanctifies believers. Mm-hmm. 1 Peter 1, verse 2 says essentially the same thing. We're sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Sanctified means we're set apart unto God. Right. And the Holy Spirit's job is to set us apart unto God. The moment we get saved, he comes and dwells in us, and he convicts us of sin, and he testifies to the Lord Jesus Christ, and then he sets apart, sets us apart for service unto God. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ephesians 1.13, uh, it says we are sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. There is not one way that you can lose your salvation, Amen. dear believer, Amen. because the Holy Spirit seals you. That's right. And he says, yeah, and he will be with you and he won't leave you. And he seals you. He keeps you in. Ephesians 3.16 uh, says we are strengthened with and by the spirit of promise. Mm-hmm. You want strength? You want spiritual strength? Then you... Uh, uh, then you be filled with the Holy Spirit. Then there's First Timothy 3.16. We are justified in the Spirit. That's a legal term. It means the moment that you believe, you're justified. That's right. You're no longer guilty. Right. Isn't that amazing? It is. And that happens by the work of, of the Holy Spirit. First Peter 3.18, it says we are quickened by the Spirit that is made alive. Uh, you know, well, um, if you're not saved, people, you're a walking dead man. Yeah. You're still in the throes of death and will be eternally if you don't receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And when you do, the Spirit comes, comes along and quickens you, makes you alive. Right, right. Sometimes, sometimes when I when I get up in the morning, I'm 80 years old and I feel like I'm about half dead, but uh, <laughs> I'm alive yeah. in Christ because of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. By the way, in Ephesians 6:17, uh, when you're talking about the whole armor of God, it says, "And take up the sword of the Spirit, which mm-hmm. is the Word of God." Yep. The Word of God is a sword of the Spirit. Um, Luke chapter 4, verses 18 and 19, uh, it says that the Holy Spirit was upon Jesus, and he sent me, he says. Mm -hmm. So the Holy Spirit uh, was upon Jesus, and he was sent by the Holy Spirit. And and then, let me see this. There's one more thing, Um, and this is important, all right? Don't ever forget this. The Holy Spirit is the one who planted the seed of conception into the body of mother of the mother of Jesus Christ, Mary. Mary was not the mother of God, as some as some people contend. She was the mother of God's son, because he, he his Holy Spirit planted the seed in her. You can see that in Matthew one twenty, and in Luke chapter one verses twenty seven through thirty five. 
And that's the complete work of the Holy Spirit, as near as I can tell. Do I have any time left? Uh, got about three minutes left, Pastor. Okay, so having known that, here's, that's the seven spirits that are before the throne, the complete work of the Holy Spirit. And you've seen that here in the scriptures. And so what, what is this? say to us what we are to be we are to be led by the holy spirit romans 8 14 we are to walk in the holy spirit galatians 5 25 we are to live in the holy spirit galatians 5 25 and we are to be filled with the holy spirit ephesians 5 18 and you do that with being filled by the sword of the spirit which is the word of god right. and with that uh, i am finished but I wanted to ask you then to, those of you who believe, get with the Holy Spirit, uh, live in the Spirit. And those of you who are not saved, Holy Spirit's calling you right now. That's right. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Amen. Father, thank you for this time you've given us. Uh, we pray that your word will be productive as we continue to study the book of Revelation. Amen. Amen. Wow. Wow. Pastor. Yeah. Thank I'm you. Still here. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for that. I tell you what, uh, with everything that's going on in the world today, uh, that is a great uplifting message. I got to tell you. Um, you know, when when it feels like uh, there's no way to win in this world, we know that we're going to be victorious in the end. Uh, That's right. We 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 are we are. If you're saved, you're you're gonna be a winner. You're a winner. Yep. 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 <laughs> yep. Wow. Wow. Yep. Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. Okay. Okay. The, gra um, the I, grace I, of God is incredible. Nobody ever had more fun doing it than I do. <laughs> I know that's right. I know and that's my, right. And my lovely wife is sitting here, <laughs> uh, covered with a little pillow and her and her robe and she's listening to me teach can you imagine that yeah. she's been with me 41 years and she and she still listens to me preach that's right <laughs> i don't blame her so do i what a great wife what a great wife <laughs> all right yeah, you know you have a great wife you have a great life absolutely okay. yeah okay okay well uh, uh, this one is recording is done i guess Yes, sir. We are about to close it out for, for this episode, but uh, tune in to us uh, again on Tuesday uh, when we will continue uh, our studies through the book of Revelation. And um, if I'm not mistaken, Pastor, we're going to be starting Chapter 5 uh, on Tuesday. Yep. I've got, I've got one more thing to say about uh, Chapter 4. Okay. All right. Uh, because because it's about the rest of the book, uh, it's about the seven, the four faces in oh yeah chapters, yeah yeah in verse seven yeah. and then and then the uh, go back to the instruction when he says I will show these things which must be hereafter okay and then we'll go into the things which will be hereafter okay sounds great so chapter five probably fifteen minutes into the uh, into the message all right sounds great sounds great ah. I'll be ready for it, and uh, I hope all of our listeners are too. We, we thank you again for being with us today, and we hope you're greatly blessed uh, by listening. Um, we will be faithful to what we're doing, and um, we hope that you'll be faithful to listen as well. Um, until Tuesday, we need to sign off. 
So we'll do that by saying God bless you, and, uh, and today is the day of salvation. If you're not saved, be saved today. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Until Tuesday, until Tuesday, we'll, we're signing off. Pastor, thank you so much again, and uh, we'll talk again Tuesday. And it will be a pleasure, sir. All right, likewise. Thank you, okay. everybody. Tune in and listen right. Tuesday, and we'll, we'll see you then on the Christian Underground News Network. Signing off for today. Bye-bye. <laughs>